I used to ask myself a lot of questions. Scott, you're an ex-con. How are you an Avenger? That doesn't make sense. But everywhere I go, people tell me the same thing. Thank you, Spider-Man. People still need help, Dad. That's why we made this. It's like a satellite for deep space, but Quana. Wait, wait a minute. You're sending a signal down to the quantum realm. Turn it off. Now! Welcome to the Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by Amir Ture and Derek Wong. So this week we are diving right into Phase Five of the Marvel Cinematic Universe with our discussion of Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania. The film is directed by Peyton Reed, who also helmed the first two Ant Man movies, and the movie stars Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, Catherine Newton, Michelle Pfeiffer, Michael Douglas, and marks the introduction of Jonathan Major's big screen Marvel debut as the new big bad Kang the Conqueror, who is another version of the Kang we saw in the finale of Loki, the Disney Plus series. Amir and I actually went to see this together at the New York premiere. I think it was a mix of press and public. When did you see this, Derek? I saw this uh, over the weekend. Pretty much a full crowd. Really? Nice. Yeah, we had a full house, too. These movies are still going strong. A lot of people going to see them. Should we dive right into the movie um should we give a little plot synopsis get that out of the way you know what i actually wrote a nice little summary in my review don't worry no opinions in this plot (laughs) synopsis all right just a little bit of self-plagiarism we'd love to see it yes so scott lang is kind of in a rut despite being one of the avengers that saved the universe from thanos He's been stuck hawking his memoir and going through the motions. His partner, Hope Van Dyne, has transformed Pym Technologies into a philanthropic powerhouse, while his daughter, Cassie, now played by Catherine Newton, has taken on the mantle of looking after the little guy with her own brand of rebellious activism. 
Desperate to make up for lost time, with his daughter now five years older having never been blipped by Thanos, Scott takes an interest in Cassie's secret science project, building a quantum realm beacon with Hank Pym, much to the dismay of Janet Van Dyne. It isn't before long that Janet's fear of tampering with the quantum realm, where she was stranded for decades before the events of Ant-Man and the Wasp become reality. A wayward signal triggers a laboratory mishap that sucks the entire group of heroes into a strange, dangerous netherworld. Newly marooned, Scott and his family navigate the inhospitable environment while grappling with Janet's secret past. I should be writing these for Marvel, I think. Yeah, that's pretty good. Someone should be writing something for Marvel. <laughs> oh, boy, okay. After you tell everyone your opinion on this movie, I don't think you're going to be getting a call from uh <laughs> Or maybe it's a wake-up call, and they're like, oh, man, we really need someone to write our movies. <laughs> Let's just start with my atomic bomb hot take on this movie, oh. and then we can go around and talk about your guys' opinions, I think. Mm-hmm. So, I think we've hit rock bottom, folks. Mm, this is wow. it. Wow. This is the worst one. We found the worst Marvel movie. I think it's this one. Really? I don't know, man. I can't think of a single one that's worse. Thor The Dark World is still really, really, really bad. Mm -hmm. Stuff I liked in that one more than this. The Eternals? Stuff I liked in the Eternals more than this. I mean, I think we've kind of earmarked the three worst, right? I mean, I'm going to have you go first. (laughs) (laughs) I think I liked this a little more than Jeff did. I don't think it's absolutely the worst of the MCU films. I do think it's definitely not one of the good ones. It's uh, definitely a contender for one of the worst. What's worse than this? I know Uh, Derek said Thor The Dark World. Thor The Dark World at least looked better than this. I haven't seen Thor The Dark World in a while. I'd have to rewatch it, but I don't remember liking it very much. Eternals, as much as, like, I don't think we, like, shat on it when it came out, but Eternals was not good. Eternals looked terrible, too, and, like, it's quite bloated, and I don't even remember that movie. (laughs) Let's be honest. I will say that I think we're all pretty much on the same page. I think this movie is not great. I think the biggest fault of this movie is that it's just not written very well at all. I think there are character beats in this movie and character points that are just like not paid off at all. Well, first of all, there's too many of them. There's too many characters. There's too many. Yes. Too many characters. Even Scott has too many things going on in this movie. You know, and I can give a little bit more detail on what I'm talking about exactly when we get to spoilers. But like, there's just too many things going on. There is this whole weird thread that gets just pushed in the 11th hour of this movie, which is really, really strange to me. And then, yeah, I just feel like there's actors in this that are phoning it in. One in particular, I think, oh, is kind of phoning I it in. <laughs> agree agree 100%. <laughs> I think there are multiple actors who are phoning it in here who are just completely look like they do not want to be there. Yeah. So here's my hot take. I actually don't think Jonathan Majors is Kang is that good in this movie. Ooh. Oh, okay. For take. me, there really isn't anything I like about this movie. Like, I don't like Modoc. Wow. I don't like any of the Cassie Scott stuff. It's really sad to say that I was really excited for Jonathan Majors as Kang after this. And, like, this was kind of a letdown Kang-wise for me. So, we can get into that well, when, I mean, when it comes to details. Are you talking about his performance or the substance of Kang? Because those are completely different things. I think Jonathan Majors is trying the hardest in this movie. And I can mm-hmm. definitely tell 
by that. I think he's trying. For me, it's just not succeeding. Yeah, yeah. I think I agree. I think Kang is a big problem in this. Mm -hmm. All right. So, listen, I wish we could go back to, like, the standalone movies that are just focused on telling a good story within its, whatever, 90 minutes to two hours. But I'm also aware that we're 30-plus movies into this MCU franchise, this Marvel franchise. So, building into the next crossover thing and teasing what's coming next is just part of the game now. Yeah. And... If you're building an interconnected universe, it's only natural to want to use that and, like, I don't know, crescendo into your new big bad and, like, do all these crossovers and have everything be connected. I've totally resigned to that. That's totally fine. We're never going to go back to, like, the days of Iron Man 1 or Captain America. But this shit is not the way forward. I'm now, like, fully convinced that Marvel and Disney have no idea what the fuck they're doing with Phase 5. When it comes down to it, I don't mind the teasing and, like, the universe-building exposition Mm -hmm. too much. In the end, I do just want, like, a good story. But I don't want to be jerked around either, right? And, like, if I'm going to be jerked around, the movie had better be, like, a hell of a lot better than what we got in Quantumania. This shit is dire, man. It's really feels bad. Feels real wheel-spinny. You know what I mean? I would guess your feelings on phase four are a little mixed right like i feel like you weren't as high on phase four yeah i was pretty mixed on phase four i think a lot of people were mixed on phase four so like then to say that this is the beginning of a new phase like this is i mean it's not hitting the reset right but it is an opportunity to say hey this is going to be the start of what's coming and then for this to be that was disappointing is that the correct way to put it yeah i think that we'll get into this i guess when we talk about the mid credits that just seems like the only thing this movie is trying to lead up to it's like its own mid credits and mm-hmm. oh 100 i totally agree with you like the whole movie seems to be set up so that we kind of understand the mid credits and then the mid credits seems to be like the most important thing about this movie which it should not be like any movie should not be waiting for its mid credit scene that Maybe not everyone's going to see. I mean, I'll go even further than you. You can go from the end of the Loki finale into the mid credit scene and you'd be totally fine. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying like I'm mad that the movie is like completely disposable, but the story in that movie is bad too. Like I just don't know what they're doing. Amir, you haven't said anything yet, so I won't let you. <laughs> yeah, um, I feel like I want to defend this movie because you guys are shitting on it so hard, but... <laughs> I don't really have anything good to say either, really, like about any of the things you guys have complained about so far. There are some things that I did enjoy in this movie a little bit more than you guys did, maybe, but none of it is any of the stuff you mentioned. Yeah, it's not completely unenjoyable, right? I don't think it's a complete dud. I wasn't actively having a bad time in the movie theater. It was like... I was maybe on the... Purge, maybe, of having an actively bad time. I wasn't about to get up and leave or anything, you know what I mean? No, 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 no. No, that's true. (laughs) <laughs> this is no skin of a ring right now. Hey, hey, hey. I'm just kidding, Jeff. But the funny thing is, I feel like Jeff is the most negative because, you know, he thinks it's the worst Marvel movie, and I still think <laughs> it's Thor the Dark World. I, I will not forever forgive that movie. Wow. But I will say that I was not having that much fun. Like, I will be honest that, like, there were points I was getting a little sleepy, I was getting a little tired. I was like, <laughs> Where's the fun in this? It doesn't seem as fun as the other Ant-Man movies. One of the big losses is that they ditched all the fun supporting characters from the other Ant-Man movies and replaced it with, like, his family. Yeah. And his family stinks. (laughs) Like the heist crew. Yeah, Yeah. the heist crew are fun. Michael Payne. Yeah, yeah. 
David Dasmalchain. But he voices a character in the movie. Oh, does he? He voices the blobby thing that they drink. Ah, okay. I don't know. Maybe Michael Pena's voice would be too noticeable. But like, if you're going to do that with David Dasmalchain, like, why not ask Michael Pena to come back and voice one of these weird characters too, right? Just whatever. Break the fourth wall a little bit here. But I completely agree. I miss the Louise character. I like miss the crew. Mm-hmm. They don't even replace it with family members because Hank's always been there. Evangeline Lily's character has always been there. I mean, of course, you have the addition of Michelle Pfeiffer and then Catherine Newton. Yeah, Catherine Newton. But even like the additions of all those weird quantum realm characters just didn't do anything for Nothing me. Nothing like, for me. Yeah. Nothing. Okay. See, that's one of the things I liked a little. Mm-hmm. I, uh, some of the uh, little alien quantum mania designs were kind of cool. I think the designs were cool. They didn't really do anything with the characters. No, they weren't like but... characters. But like some of them <laughs> were visually characters. Some of them were visually <laughs> fun to look at. Like the dude with the, I don't know, Star Trek phaser beam for a face. I just want to say, like, I think it's funny that Amir's defense is like, well, I didn't want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> a spirited defense, Amir. <laughs> Listen, I'm doing the best that I can here. <laughs> I'm phoning in less than some of the actors, so give me some credit. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the little Quantumania like alien designs were fun. The whole drinking the goop guy is very Rick and Morty-ish, which, you know. Makes sense because half the MCU writers are like now poached from Rick and Morty. Really? You know yeah. I mean? So like, yeah, a lot of Rick and Morty writers are mm, yeah. on the Marvel they, they, they stuff. They didn't go goofy enough, I think, with the Quantumania mm-hmm. dudes. Yeah. It was like stuff that was almost fun. Like they wanted to do a Star Wars cantina yes, you know, like, they did. thing. And they, like, didn't go far enough and make it weird enough. Because, like, you can't just do the Star Wars Cantina again. That's from 1977. Like, if you're going to try to do something like that, it can't just be, like, a pale imitation of it. You have to actually do something different. Yeah. Have, like, visually interesting, cool-looking aliens. I I got what they were getting at, and I like the idea. I just, the execution wasn't all there. But Mm -hmm. best I can say for the Quantumania aliens, some visually cool stuff. I thought drinking the goop is a good gag. It's very Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It was a good gag. And then... With the babblefish, you know, it's very... And then his, like, obsession with holes was really fucking lame. Just kind of <laughs> undercut that whole gag. Does seem very much like a misfired Rick and Morty joke, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. We were comparing this one with the other Ant-Man movies, and, like, let's face it, no one's favorite MCU movies are the Ant-Man movies, but they have, like, a fleet little caper charm to them that... I kind of like that I'm very partial to even Ant-Man and the Wasp, which a lot of people don't like. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was kind of like Walton Goggins and that car chase and like a bunch of cool stuff with the Pez dispenser. So like this is another thing, right? Ant-Man's powers are cool in the real world. There's a sense of scale, right? On Earth. Yeah, the sense right. of scale yeah. and like perspective. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this car is tiny now. It's like, oh, you're running along the edge of a knife blade or whatever and like oh you crashed into thomas the tank engine that's like fun stuff that we can relate to and that plays with like the perspective of a tiny hero or like a giant hero but then like when you go into the quantum realm and it's all goopy sludgy muddy cgi alien stuff like you lose all perspective of what makes that superpower cool. It's a nothing superpower now. It's totally lame. You know what I mean? Shrinking and growing mean nothing if there's nothing for you to shrink and grow against. Yeah. So that's like another big thing that I found disappointing with this movie. Yeah. Two things. I mean, I know you say like 
no one's favorite movie is Ant-Man, and I probably would agree, but I do think that it has one of the best action sequences in that fight over the play set. Yeah. That is one of the more memorable action sequences. Like towards I think the Marvel's end of the first one? Yeah, yeah. I really yeah. love that. I love that sequence. I don't know. On both sides, I do agree with you that I think the loss of scale is something that I, I miss from the first two Ant-Man, but then... Also, like, the Quantum Realm was promised to us in the second one. So then if you were to not do it and then abandon it, I think people would complain about that. Like, well, why didn't we get the Quantum Realm? We just spent 10 minutes down there and that was it. I think Peyton Reed's idea is, oh, let's just run with this. We already introduced the Quantum Realm. Let's spend a whole movie down there. And, like, in the end, the story he told doesn't work. But I don't fault it for wanting to explore that, a different place other than the real world. Yeah, I don't fault that that much. I mean, there are other ways you could probably get around the loss of scale with this which they didn't do at all but i mean why did the movie have to look like this man it looks, <laughs> it looks so bad. bad the quantum realm when you say quantum realm you expect zany colors interesting architecture but it's all brown everything's fucking brown why is it gotta be that <laughs> color there's a bunch of lava lamps and shit that's not fair <laughs> brown lava lamps <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to sound like I'm shitting on this movie, like, all day long, but, like, I'm really struggling to... <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. People are like, man, you just fucking hate Marvel. We all gave Thor Love and Thunder a positive review. We all liked that more than most people, right? I feel like yeah. I'm not going crazy here, right? Yeah. I don't know. This was worse. This was a lot worse than that, I think. I mean, the worst, worst CG for me was... Modoc, I'm so sorry. Okay, that, I will say I am a Modoc defender. Yes, and I know Amir <laughs> yes. is too. So, let's no. go. <laughs> no, have you oh. seen Modoc in the comics though? Modoc yes. looks so stupid in the comics. I don't know how you can even do that without being silly. And I think they leaned into it, which I'm fine with. I think Modoc is. Modoc made me laugh. I'm gonna say it. Did it make you laugh because it was actually funny, or did it make you laugh because he looked fucking funny as hell? Like it looks like I okay. Mean, I'm sorry. Both, I'm sorry. The but biggest it's part laugh, of the gag, like they know he looks. It's part of the punchline. I hate that. Yeah. I hate weird, that. Right? No, like, I, hate I don't that. know. And I don't think it's like that. too meta or anything. It's just like look how goofy this fucking guy looks, and he's fucking Modoc. Oh, I like that. I like that. No, like yeah, the biggest laugh in my theater was when. Modoc first reveals his face, you know, the Darren Cross of it all happens, face shield comes off, and it's just this huge CGI stretched out face over this body. That was the biggest laugh my theater got, and I know it was one out of, it's not laughing with it, it's laughing at it. But, but that's the goal. Laugh at it. No, you can't laugh at it, because no. that's what they're doing. I know Modoc in the comics looks really lame, but I don't know. That is not the avenue. Like, it just looks so bad. That I could not get behind it. It really just pulled me out. I also didn't like the whole him turning into a hero at the end. That was symptomatic of the problems with the entire movie where like all the character arcs are really shortened and like there's no sense of, I don't know, the plot going anywhere. It's just like, oh, he's a good guy now. Like it's just very, very lazy. And a lot of this kind of felt that way. The entire rebellion felt that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The whole don't be a dick thread sucked ass it was terrible yeah who wrote that like a fifth grader cassie's like hey modok don't be a dick you know and then that's the whole thing and then he like has a change of heart changes his entire life yeah yeah well his death actually made me laugh too i thought that shit was funny where he's like at least i die an avenger and it was like oh what he was like scott you were like a brother to me and scott's like what (laughs) (laughs) 
I don't know. I thought that shit was that very was funny. That was kind of funny. All right, <laughs> that right, right, shit right. made yeah, me I'll laugh. Give you, I'll give you that and one. And then you I'll have this like, tiny hand come up and like touch the wasp's face. Yeah, I guess there are moments that are a little bit funny, but... Modoc was funny. That maybe was funny, but... Overall, I was not a big fan of Modoc. I'm sorry. <laughs> Justice for Modoc. He's like possibly the best part of this movie. I will say that the tiny ass or whatever, the butt we saw that uh, oh, his of Modoc. Yeah, his little uh, butt. I thought that was funny. I think all the visual gags with Modoc works. I think they just leaned into how ridiculous he looks, and that's fine. I think that's just the way comic book stuff is sometimes, and making his appearance like a gag is. That's what they were going for. I think that was intentional, you know? I think so. everything about Modoc worked except for his, like, little redemption arc, right? Mm-hmm. Everything except for that worked. I don't know. They could have just, like, if you come with us, we're going to try and make you, like, not a Modoc and turn you back into a normal person. He would jump at that opportunity. You know, something like that. Yeah, not just, yeah, like, yeah. I've completely inverted my entire morality and personality because Rival's kid told me not to be a dick. Like, it just doesn't make any. Yeah. It just doesn't work. Also, can we talk about Cassie for a second? Oh, absolutely. I like Catherine Newton, but Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. What do you like her in? I liked her in Freaky. I haven't seen too many things. She's also in, um, what's that one with John Cena? Blockers? I thought she was really good in Blockers. She is in Blockers. Yeah, she was good in Blockers. I think she's good. Big Blockers defender. I like that movie. I think she's good. Yeah. Okay. Okay, her and Michael Douglas fucking phoning it in big time in this movie. I think they're... See, I thought she just couldn't act, because I haven't seen Blockers <laughs> or Freaky. So, I just thought she was just bad, but I guess she's just not doing her best work here. I would lean with Amir. Maybe this is not her best work. I mean, this is your first MCU thing. There's no way you signed on and then just phoned it in, right? Like, I can understand Michael Douglas after, like, three or four appearances as Hank Pym's just like, I'm kind of over this. I mean, didn't he publicly say, like, they were like, hey, what do you want to happen to you in the next movie? He's like, I hope I die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Also, weird recasting with Cassie. Yeah, dude. That one kind of rubs me the wrong way, where I think Emma Furman in Endgame had, like, one of the best scenes reuniting with Paul Rudd's Ant-Man. She found out on social media with the rest of everyone else that they were going in a different direction and recasting her with Catherine Newton. Kind of shitty, actually. That kind of speaks volumes to the lack of, like, foresight, right? Did you not yeah. know that this was going to be the next movie to involve Cassie? There's a lot of questions. Well, they're all, like, short-term decision-making for this Marvel stuff. I don't know. I think a lot of people liked Emma Furman's performance as Cassie in Endgame. So, I don't know. Maybe lean into that and, like, make that a star-making role for her instead of trying to mine Catherine Newton's star power just because she's a little more recognizable. People are going to see your movie anyway, so use that to, like, build up an actress who hasn't gotten their shot yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Also, who's going to go see Ant-Man just because, I don't know, Catherine Newton from Freaky is... Yeah, Yeah. I'm going to push back a little bit on you guys and just say that no one knows who Catherine Newton is. That's what I'm saying! But I also don't think people really remember Cassie Lang's scene from Adventures Endgame. Like, I don't think that that's something Mm. that people are, like... Yeah. Will anyone even notice that Cassie Lang was recast? Yeah. The average film goer. It's kind of a wash, so why don't you just preserve the continuity? You know no, what sure, I mean? But I'm just saying, like, would people even realize? I think more people would realize than you think. Really? I'll be honest. I guess I haven't seen Endgame in ages, but I might not have realized. <laughs> <laughs> I think more people would realize than you think, but I get your point. Oh, she's also already recast once, right? Which makes it a lot easier to just do it again. But that's like from age from kid what, to right yeah from like yeah kid there's to no way that yeah the ki- yeah 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 i mean that's fair 
Also, do you get father-daughter vibes from Paul Rudd and Catherine Newton? Not really. I didn't get, like, those vibes at all. That is definitely one of my biggest misfires for this movie. Like, I think it could have been a great father-daughter story that it just Mm -hmm. isn't there. Like, the chemistry, them feeling like a father-daughter duo isn't there i mean there was kind of the setup of him trying to teach her how to be an ant person right like an ant woman or whatever you want to call her the weird thing is like the trailer set up something that the movie doesn't even lean into where it's this loss of time for scott not being mm. around for her and Kang growing does up on that too he even says explicitly like i can give you that time with your daughter back yeah right yeah like i wish they kind of lean but into they don't this, play like, into idea that, that he wants to be like a father like he lost something not being able to be there for like five years would this movie have been a little bit better if at least i believed for a second that he was going to help kang because he wanted these things you know like maybe he did want to go back in time and just be a dad you know what i mean like that i think would have made this way more interesting Yeah, Mm -hmm. I totally get what you guys are saying. The beginning of the movie made it seem like that lost time was important. That's something that was really hurting Scott. And then Kang offering to turn back time for him seemed like a really big motivating factor. But, like, Scott himself, Paul Rudd's performance in this, did not sell the fact that he actually cared about that lost time at all. Yeah. So, like, that's where the disconnect is, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like we should just talk about Kang, because... Yes. I think Jonathan Majors is good. I think he's trying really hard in this movie, and he gives a good performance, but the Kang story as it's written is kind of a mess. I will say that Michelle Pfeiffer and Jonathan Majors' scenes together, that was probably the highlight of the movie. I think I actually really liked that. I kind of liked the flashbacks to Michelle Pfeiffer being stranded in the quantum realm and them striking up a friendship I don't believe for a second that Michelle Pfeiffer would fuck Bill Murray over Jonathan Majors, but that's like an <laughs> entirely different thing. Do you like Michelle Pfeiffer's performance in this, Derek? She's okay. I, I mean, she's definitely giving way more than Michael. Du- I feel so bad for Michael Douglas that we just keep like saying he's phoning in, but he's definitely phoning it in. Like, I mean, at least he's trying. I think he in her doesn't scenes. have a ton to do either. Though. It's not like the yeah, he doesn't to do. He drives the ship and he's kind of hanging out in the background, but it's not Here- a it's not a Hank Pym movie. It isn't. I'll go a little further and say, I don't think Michelle Pfeiffer's very good at this. Mm. Like, you guys are saying she's not phoning it in, but I don't know why. Like, I put her on the fucking chopping block, too. Mm. I was just going to say, my thing for Michelle Pfeiffer here is just, she's my least hated rather than my most loved in this movie. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yes. Um, I see what you mean. She's just okay. I mean, I know what Michelle Pfeiffer is capable of. And she sold a couple of moments in those flashbacks that I kind of didn't think we're too bad i think it's in line with what you're saying jeff there's no one mm-hmm. that's really memorable in this movie except for maybe jonathan majors but i've already said i don't even know if i really like his performance if this is the kang that is supposed to be so threatening that's looming over the mcu i'm not convinced i don't know like maybe it isn't the best idea to give him you know all of this screen time like i think the the whole fan is kind of looming over the you know the mcu worked a little bit better where we got snippets of him of course, I know they don't want to do the same thing. Just have Kang be this overseeing entity. But I, I don't know, man. Like, this just didn't work for me. Like, I mean, there is something to be said that, like, Ant-Man can defeat you, right? Like, um, I, I don't know. All right. Well, here's what I'm going to say. Uh, phase one through three is extremely elegant in the way it builds up Thanos. And I mm-hmm. think a lot of that has to do with the Infinity Gauntlet and the stones. Because they're each different super powerful artifacts that you can place in different movies 
individually, and they all come together in the end with Endgame, right? But with this new threat with Kang, I feel like they don't know how to build towards whatever the fuck they want to do with a multiverse. It's a total mess. They can't build towards Kang without showing Kang. And in fact, yeah. overexposing Kang, because it's like variant of Kang here, variant of Kang there, Kang, 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 Kang. Which I don't think is a problem in and of itself, but it's so muddled what they're trying to do with the multiverse, the time travel, the multiverse. We've said it before. Is it Spider-Man No Way Home? Is it Loki? Is it Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness? They're all doing different things with the concept. Are they all a piece of the whole? And like, what does Kang have to do with any of it? They're doing a lot of telling rather than showing, too, with Mm -hmm. a bunch of these villains, too. Like, in Thor, Love and Thunder, Gore the God Killers. Oh, I've killed so many gods. Uh, Can we see maybe some of that? Because, like, (laughs) how do you sell a threat when you don't see them being a threat. This Kang is the same way. It's like, oh, I've killed hundreds of different iterations of the Avengers. It's like, can we see some of that? That's perfect for bringing in, I don't know, your interconnected universe. Bringing in someone like, I don't know, Chris Evans back for a cameo just to get killed or something. Imagine if this movie started off with Kang murdering the Avengers. Leaning into like the comic book tropey stuff where you have, I don't know, an old grizzled Ant-Man with one arm taking him out as he's escaping, and that's how he crashes into the quantum realm. You know what Mm. I mean? I wanted to see him actually take on the Avengers. None of that happened, and then he's not even the main Kang that we're... Yeah, before we get into that, I think my biggest fear coming out of this movie is that Kang is going to be treated like the Infinity Stones now. That was like each different version of Kang. I remember, you know, in phases one, two, three, like you said, it was elegant, but now you can look back and be like, that's where they introduced the Power Stone or the Soul Stone. It became this thing where you can kind of point at each of the movies and be like, oh, there's another stone. I feel like that's what they're going to do with Kang. It's like, oh, now we're going to be able to point and be like, oh, there's that Kang. And then there's this Kang. I mean, we're just switching out one MacGuffin for another, right? It's mm-hmm. the same thing. And that's just like my biggest fear. It's We are going to get overexposed to this character. And I'm just like, the whole Council of Kangs just didn't work for me. So I want to get into this. Are we supposed to think that he was actually a good Kang? What do you mean? Because then he's been exiled by this Council of Kangs, right? And then there's also this whole little weird thing at the end where like Paul Rudd's like, wait, didn't he say he's the only one that could stop the other ones, stop something bad from happening? And then when we get to the mid credits, they're very ominous. They're very almost threatening and evil. We know that Kang is the villain. So like, Is the idea that now this one is gone, he was actually potentially a good Kang? I get where you're coming from. I don't think so. I don't think he's supposed to be a quote-unquote good Kang. I don't know if there is such a thing, really. I think they're just all evil, to be honest. Just different varieties. That's my sense. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I thought, like Jeff's saying, it seemed very muddled. And like, if that was oh, the sure. you're trying to come through, I was like, that did not hit at all. It only just confused me when Paul Rudd's like standing there like, self-monologuing inside. I'm like, where is this coming from? I think it's all a huge contradiction, too, because like, yeah. I don't know what the fuck is going on. So first of all, I think if you're going to talk about like a good Kang, the probably only good Kang is the one in Loki, right? Even then, he's probably not all good. He's, I don't know. At least he seems a little more like trickstery and mischievous than the other Kangs. And he's like, oh, wait till you see the bad version of me. So I guess that's this Kang in this movie. But then like, you know, he's known as Kang the Conqueror. So he goes around conquering and destroying the universes and timelines, I guess, mm-hmm. which you don't even see that much of. 
But then in the end, you find out that he's the one that's been exiled. So why did they exile him? Was he too evil? But then he's promising that the other Kangs are way worse. Again, the same thing as in Loki. So like, what the fuck is going on? This contradiction is like, I feel like it's just not planned out. They don't know what the fuck they're doing. And you made a good point, Derek, that it's not something I thought about, but now it's bothering me. If you get beat up by fucking (laughs) Ant-Man. Yeah. (laughs) Like, that didn't bother me before, but once you said it, I'm like, dude, yeah. It's like as if Thanos lost to fucking Ant-Man. This guy fucking stinks. He's just, like, (laughs) not that scary a villain anymore. Like, you just fucking ruined Kang. Like, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) Like, the fact that he just loses to Ant-Man and a bunch of giant ants is, like, he was a little scary, I guess, in that final fight with just incinerating dudes. Yeah. But you have that, More like, beam weird... shit, by the way. More, yeah, but it's fine. I don't know, that didn't bother me. It, it bothered mm. me that the beams are suddenly non-deadly when he turns them on, like, any of the main cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, yeah, he yeah. did that, like, fucking Power Rangers thing where, like, you know, the, everything is, like, wildly, varying lethality depending on... It's just, like, dumb plot yeah. armor inconsistency bullshit. It's just annoying, right? Like, oh, so it instantly vaporizes all of the... Rebels. Nameless like, Rebels. Yeah, all the Nameless <laughs> Rebels, but like when it's, you know, Paul Rudd, it's a tickle beam. Ouchie. Like, yeah, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Because like incinerating people was kind of making him look a little scary again. You're like, oh shit, Kang's like doing some shit. They pull the rug out from under him on that by like not letting him like, I don't know, incinerate Michael Douglas or something. Yeah. So I think people are going to be like, oh, well, Ant-Man can just defeat this version of Kang, but now there's a council of Kangs. So how are they going to defeat all the Kangs? Well, one Ant-Man defeated like one Kang, so just get a bunch of different yeah, Ant-Men, is, yeah. right? <laughs> to fight the Council of Kangs, there you go. Yeah, I think just having this Kang die to Ant-Man just totally undercuts his menace, you know what I mean? Yeah, it didn't bother me before, but it's fucking weighing on me now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, also speaking of undercutting something, the Wasp comes back and like saves Scott at the end, right? The portal closes behind them, it like seems like they're stuck there. And then for it to be like, oh, let's just open another portal right now and free them. I was like, this is bullshit. I thought it would have been way more interesting maybe if he got stuck there. Yeah, he and Hope got stuck in the quantum room. I thought that's what they were going to do. Yeah. I thought the two of them were going to get stuck. And it's like, oh. So I went back and I looked at like a bunch of the leaks for Mm -hmm. the movie. And they actually predicted everything in the movie so someone must have had like a real legit leaked script or something Mm -hmm. a lot of the stuff came true but the movie ended with scott and hope stuck in the quantum realm so i wonder if they like changed it because of that i don't know i have no idea that really seemed tacked on that they just got out yeah. I felt like the original intention was for them to be stuck. That would have been a little cool. It would have been more meaningful. A a, yeah, a little, little bit of a dark ending. And that's what they were kind of trying to sell you on, right? Yeah. So I thought it was going to end with them being stuck in the quantum realm and then this Kang being like on the loose or something, you know? Mm, that would have been cool. That would have been a little more threatening and at least something for Phase 5. But now it's just, I don't know, Council of Kangs? It's, I don't know, like this whole multiverse stuff. Kang the Conqueror is supposed to be like a time traveler, so I understand that time travel and multiverses kind of work hand in hand, but you're not doing anything with either. Mm-hmm. Doesn't uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's character say explicitly that Kang is from the future? He has technology far more advanced than anything, blah, 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 all that shit. Yeah. Yeah, so he is a time traveler in this. He is a time traveler, but like... He's also a multiverse What's his motivation too? for destroying universes and timelines yeah like that's not clear yeah fighting with the other kangs oh i almost like it right like 
it's kind of cool. If they did anything with it. <laughs> it's kind of cool that the only thing that Kang is worried about is, like, other Kangs. Yeah. And it's like, oh, nothing else could even possibly be a threat. Like, I'm not worried about the fucking Avengers. Whatever, I watch the Avengers. Like, the only thing I'm fucking worried about is the other alternate versions of myself are the only things that could fuck with me. And I'm at war with other versions of myself. And, you know, Earth is, like, kind of caught in the crossfire. Kind of a cool idea. It just doesn't really end up working here because, yeah, he gets washed by Ant-Man and some giant ants. They should have recycled the storyline from that Jet Li movie, The One. <laughs> he gets more powerful <laughs> if he beats other kings. <laughs> There's two more things I want to talk about. But the first is the post credit scene, right? Like, the one after all the credits. I think it's also very sad that... I think the biggest cheer in this movie was at that moment. Like, my theater erupted when they saw Loki. And, like, there mm. was no reception like that throughout the rest of this movie. So, I don't know, man. That's a bad sign, right? When the thing that people most like in your movie is something from another property. Yeah. That's bad news. Also, completely ignoring the ending of Loki. Didn't Loki end with Loki and Mobius not knowing each other? Did they just totally spoil the beginning of loki season two like they don't know what they're doing i feel they don't know like the order of things preserving like the continuity of their shows across to the movies like it's a whole ass mess i think i feel like there's just less and less effort put into keeping things straight and like delivering something coherent you know what i mean i'm less bothered by the lack of coherence with things from the past or going forward than with the fact that this just wasn't good even in and of itself. Yeah, no, 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 100%. Like, can we just talk about the rebellion here for a second? It's bad. It's yeah, bad. It's awful. It's just the most paper-thin thing. It really, really, really stinks. And they're trying to do a through line with, I guess, Cassie encouraging her dad to save the world more. Yeah, like, he's already saved the world. She's like, oh, I gotta encourage him to save the world more. He's getting lazy or, or something. I, I don't know. It's just, it, it sucks. And the rebels are just completely, like, less than paper thin. It's just, like, a very, very lazy, lazy copy of other movies where you've seen this yeah. kind of stuff, you know? It's totally undercooked. I didn't like Bill Murray in this either. No, I he was awful. Yeah, just he whatever. was only in it for, like, two seconds. I don't know what the big deal was. He doesn't yeah. do anything yeah. particularly cool. The Rebellion's really, really dire. That might be the worst part of the movie. They should have spent that whole time building out Kang or something. Yeah, or like... Doing something, you know? Yeah, building out Kang or, or underlining that Cassie-Scott relationship. Yeah, I think I could have used something more solid for Scott. Because it was just really weird, like the whole hero thing that's happening, the father-daughter thing that doesn't really get paid off. There's this whole bit about him teaching her how to do the Ant-Man punch and like I don't actually remember her doing it. Oh, there's right, no right. like, ever pay off? like great yeah. moment where she's like I did it. I did the thing that my dad taught me how to yeah. do. Like there's yeah. like what? There's no payoff to this setup. It's yeah, like so right. dumb. The jump tap stuff it didn't yeah. work. It didn't yeah. work because there's no payoff. There was like absolutely no like catharsis to this father-daughter right. moment. Right. Like that should be how she fucking you know defeats Modoc or like I don't know, helps defeat Kang or something. She, you know, taps yeah. Kang off the edge of a cliff and he falls or something. I don't know, something. You gotta do something with the jump tap, not just nothing with it. Yeah. Yeah. In, in the quantum realm, you can't even tell that they're shrinking. It looks like they disappear and they just reappear. There's no sense of scale. Like we said before, the powers are just totally a nothing in this movie. And like, I know this movie's called Ant-Man, but it's okay. Maybe we get away from the ants. I thought that was really stupid that we had to introduce this colony of ants that helped to defeat Kang. I thought it was kind of neat that they 
arrived at a different time, but traveling through the quantum realm, they went through like millions of years of evolution. evolution and, like, yeah. yeah. It was kind of neat. I liked it. It's a very goofy comic booky explanation. I kind of liked it, to be honest. I sort of fuck with the giant ants. Is there anything else you guys want to mention about this movie? I have a question about what this means for the future of Marvel, but like, I'd rather like focus on this movie before I ask that question. Is there anything to talk about with regard to directing? Because the same director as the last two, and this is just a complete piece of shit. I think part of it is what Jeff has mentioned already. I think he succeeded in creating an aesthetic in the first two movies, but then like just completely abandoned. Veered away from it in this one. With the, so with like, the I think that is like one directorial kind of. So Ant Man Four might wrong. get back on track. Maybe. Let's be honest. Not many movies get to a fourth movie. Like, you know, Thor did, but I don't know if I need a fourth Ant-Man movie. I just want to say that Peyton Reed follows me on Twitter, but that might not be very long lived after (laughs) my review (laughs) and this episode of the podcast. Okay, but to be fair, it's nothing against his direct. It's not like we're going, oh, this is like a movie with great acting performances and great writing and the directing is shit. Like, it's no, not, no, 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 no. I don't think so. It's not really on him, I don't think. It's as competently directed as the last two. I think Peyton Reed has proven himself as a pretty good journeyman director. Yeah. Filling in for Edgar Wright. You're never going to get that Edgar Wright Ant-Man flavor that you wanted, but I liked the first Ant-Man just fine. It was a fun movie that I liked, and I like Ant-Man and the Wasp more than most. But take away... The real life locales of the first two movies, put them into like the CGI slop. And when all your VFX artists are working across 20 projects in a year, it's going to look sloppy. Your writers are going to be pulled in all these different directions too. I think the directing is the least of this movie's issues. I think a lot of it is script level. We got basically all of it. Was there anything else you wanted to add, Derek? Like I said, I wanted to lean into a little bit what this means for the future of Marvel. Basically, this Phase 5 and the 6 are leading up to these two Avengers movies, one being Kang Dynasty and the other being Secret Wars, right? And if my understanding of Secret Wars is correct, it is the Beyonder story, right? Where he creates this battle world where heroes and villains have to fight it out, right? Am I understanding of Secret Wars correct? I actually believe it's the other secret wars which is which is which is what which is the doom storyline what with dr doom from the last couple of years oh so they're not doing the like classic 1980s secret wars i don't think they're doing the Mm. classic secret wars so what's the more recent one i don't even know what that is to be honest it's when doom becomes god (laughs) dr doom would that be a kang that becomes god like, I don't think they yeah, can. Yeah, I don't think Doom is going to be the main bad of Secret Wars. They might be replacing him with Kang. Well, because I was thinking that if it was the older Secret Wars, the one with the Beyonder, could they be then leading into this whole Council of Kangs where each of them, like, is from a different multiverse, right? Technically. So they would maybe put in their own team of heroes and villains to represent their universe. I mean, personally, I was really thrown off by the whole Council of Kangs thing. I understand that's like a comic thing, but like I thought it was just going to be one Kang. And like it does have my brain spinning and like thinking of where this could be leaning when it comes to the two Avengers movies. But I believe it's going to be the 2015 Secret Wars. Oh, okay. Rather okay. than the 1984 one because they referenced the incursions in Multiverse of Madness. Mm. And incursions are what led to the Secret Wars in 2015. So Got it. Okay. I feel That's like they're playing with that thread. But I, I like the Battle World stuff. That's cool. Is that what the 2015 one's about as well? Is it, I think it's also some Battle World stuff, right? Yeah, something like that. I mean, 
the only way to get bigger than Thanos is to bring back everybody <laughs> and then maybe have different versions of everybody, right? Like that would be like a really cool thing to see where like Robert Downey Jr. isn't a good guy, right? Maybe he's a villain and by the time we get to Avengers Secret Wars because he's from but a different universe. you need universe. to lay the groundwork for that kind of you stuff. Do. They're not you do. doing it, yeah. right? They've done like literally nothing with the multiverse stuff so far. It's really disappointing actually. Yeah. So we'll see. I think we've spoken up about this. It has been a little bit of a disappointment for all of us. I think we just spent like an hour shitting on this movie. Like I said, a lot of this stuff is script level. I think they need to get real writers for this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Just looking at who wrote Quantumania, his name is Jeff Loveness. And he's a Rick and Morty guy, no? Rick and Morty guy. And he has also written yeah. 238 episodes of Jimmy Kimmel Live. So this movie is sitting at. A pretty dire 47% on Rotten Tomatoes Oof, right now. That's really rough. It's tied with Eternals. Is it tied or is it beaten it by one point? How much is Eternals? Also 47? I believe it's tied. Also, I feel like we gotta stop treating Rotten Tomatoes scores as like grades you get in school. Because that's not what that means, right? Like, 47% is just the definition of mixed reviews. Half the critics liked it and half the critics didn't like it. Doesn't mean it's an F. You yeah. know what I mean? It means half of the critics thought it was better than a 6 of 10, right? Isn't that what it technically means? Yes. Well, better than a 5 out of 10, I guess. Cause... Whatever a positive review means. Okay, yeah. So, pretty wide divergence with the audience score, though. 47 to millimeter, 84 audience score. There's still a yeah. huge Disney contingent out there watching and yeah. watching these movies. It still had a pretty big box office, right? I believe the four-day, you know, the holiday weekend, it took in over $150 million. So, like, still doing pretty well. These movies are not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, but, ooh, the critic reviews are pretty scathing. Worst Marvel movie yet. Dire and crummy movie. One of the worst reviews by Marvel. Good Lord. It's bad, though. I think without the Marvel brand, it wouldn't even get a 47%. I think it's doing a lot of the heavy lifting here. And, like, I want to be a defender of these movies because, like, I'm a comic book guy. I like comic book movies. But I got to call it like I see it. When they're bad, you got to say that they're bad. Right. Are we switching over to DC sign now, guys? I don't know, man. <laughs> Listen, I'm even a Black Adam defender. I'm not. And people uh, hated that. Yeah, <laughs> You're not. Right, yeah, I'm yeah. not. <laughs> All right, so did you like Black Adam better or, or worse than this one, Derek? Oh, man. Black Adam was not good, guys. I'm so sorry. I know I wasn't there for that episode, but man, no, I don't like that movie. I think that's fair. I understand I'm an outlier in having The question is, it. like, which one is better? Uh, no way you're taking that long to answer that. Black Adam's clearly better. Come on, man. You've got to rewatch one of these. Which one do you rewatch? The funny thing is, as sad as it is, I would rewatch this one because I know it means something, right? Black Adam's done. It means nothing to anything moving forward. So, like, there is no reason for me to rewatch that movie. This one is completely disposable. You could just skip it entirely. You wouldn't miss anything. Yeah, it's that's true. It's just also. as forgettable <laughs> as Black Adam. At least in Black Adam, you got the Rock Merkin dudes. He's a fucking straight-up murderer in that movie, and it kind of rock. Uh, I don't know. Like, the whole Rock thing did not work for me in that. He just did not work oh, for me. Oh, don't get me wrong. Movie. He's probably the worst part of the movie. <laughs> but I liked a bunch of the JSA stuff. The JSA stuff was neat. I liked it. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, maybe that one just because it is more fun. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I'll concede to that. 
<laughs> I can't believe it took you that long to concede to that. <laughs> All right. That would definitely conclude this week's episode. Uh, Jeff, where can people find more of your work? You can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com, where I left a scathing review of <laughs> Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Uh, and you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Strange Harbors. What about you guys? Uh, you can find me in the quantum realm, uh, hanging out with the fucking goo guy, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> drinking the goo? You drinking, drinking the, goo? the goo? Yeah, you can find me drinking the goo. How about you, Derek? Uh, you can find me at the World's Okayest Photos and Screen Nations Guild on Instagram. But if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe where you get your podcast, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. And if you are you know, listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, give us a, a great rating. It really helps to get our podcast out to more people. Yeah. And if you have any questions, comments, suggestions about our episode on Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, keep it to yourself. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Send us an email at jeff at strangeharbors.com. We like getting listener mail. Sometimes we read it on the pod. So feel free to do that. And we will see you guys next week. See you next week, everybody. See you guys then.